Hi, you are listening to Serious Banter, a podcast at the intersection of business, entrepreneurship, tech, and popular culture. We bring together people with views worth sharing, and we banter. We take a light-hearted approach to somewhat serious matters of popular interest. Serious banter. Shall we begin? Welcome to Serious Banter. It's another Tuesday and we are live. So today we're going to be talking about innovation versus policy. It kind of harkens back to two episodes ago or three episodes ago when we were talking about innovation with Efosa. Hey, Mr. Lawal. Just Dustin. Yeah. Are we innovating tonight or are we subject to policy? Luckily for us, we have the people that will be able to help answer that question. All right. So, so Justin, do you have anything to add before we get going? Yeah, well, just to welcome everybody back to the conversation at Serious Banter. I guess we're going to find out that this conversation is not too far removed from the same conversation that we were having with Efosa. I actually think it's a continuation of that conversation. Interestingly, I think one of our guests tonight had worked with Efosa previously. That's Bill Kiss, right? Correct. Because we we try to invite Efosa to come interact with them. And he had mentioned that, oh, that we're in good hands, which was never in doubt. And that he had done some work. uh, He and Bill Bill Kiss have worked together in the past. So that's exciting. But before we even go deeper, our guest today, is uh, Brokis, and we also have Coyote. Both of them will introduce themselves, and then we'll get deeper. Okay, here we go. Hello, Brokis. Hello. Welcome to Serious Banter. Uh, we're, we're really excited to have you. So, Brokis, please, let's get to know you for the people that don't know who you are. Hey, um, super excited to be here. Uh, in, it's kind of interesting, 8 o'clock in the evening. That's interesting. So for the American did. people in the house. But it's actually cool. So started with Cyclers uh, about eight years ago and was appointed as um, the general manager for the Lagos State Parks and Gardens by the previous governor, Governor Abadi, in 2017 and um, recently got reassigned in September of 2019. And I think that's about it for me. Hi, uh, Bola and Justin. Thank you for having us. Um, I'm especially, be glad, especially glad to be doing this with Dedicus. Um, She's one of my senior friends. But I think it's an honor, really, because I was on the staff of LSTF and she was a board member. Um, but we have a very good relationship and we have actually worked together on different partnerships and stuff like that. So I'm very excited to be doing this with her. How do I introduce myself? I am a lawyer by training. Uh, today, I advise companies and startups. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for coming. Um, today, we are talking about uh, but there's this whole cliche, or so to speak, cliche about innovate first and let policy catch up to you. And me personally, I have this notion that, okay, that's fine. You know, this thing they talk, talk, say about the gazelle and the lion. The gazelle wakes up in the morning and is running so that I won't get ate by the lion. Lion is running because if lion does not find food to eat, lion will die of hunger. 
So when you are running ahead of policy, unfortunately, the policy may be in form of a lion that when it catches up to you, it will eat you and you are dead. And we've seen that with some businesses in the past. So we wanted to get deeper into this conversation about innovation and policy. Let's dive in. All right. So, um, well, that's given us a bit of a background to why we got interested in this topic. And just as, as some backstory to it, it all began with some conversation that had led to us then having uh, a session with Afosa based off of his book, The Prosperity Paradox, which he co-authored with Professor Clayton Christensen. So uh, I'm a bit distracted by that feedback, but we move. So anyway, the conundrum is this. As we have seen in our environment, there are a lot of times when conventional wisdom just doesn't seem to cut it in Nigeria. So my, my discourse with Efosa revolved around the same thing, where Efosa's thesis is that, and which I do not disagree with, by the way, his thesis is that, look, contrary to conventional wisdom, right, conventional discourse, that you do not administer your way out of corruption or all the things that hold back development because it's never going to happen. Rather, the onus is on us to use innovation to drive the wheels of progress against all the odds. And I don't disagree with that sentiment. But I keep hitting a brick wall in my environment where we are. And to take the conversation to what has happened uh, or to borrow relief from what has happened in our environment for the past um, two weeks, we've seen policy statements that seem to turn us back. We've seen policy statements that do not seem to take cognizance of what exactly the pain of the people are and what the imperatives for us to move forward as a country are. We've seen innovative companies come in that thrive elsewhere and just seem to wither away in our environment. And all fingers point to what I personally call weaponized policy, right? So we've had ride-hailing companies fold up. We've had this running conversation in the past week where NIPOST, which should be providing the services as a government-funded agency, is rather seeking to benefit from rent. So that rent-seeking behavior is now stifling the opportunities in the innovative space where people are providing services to SMEs in the e-commerce space. We've seen taxation that doesn't seem to make sense. So the question then becomes, what's the relationship between innovation and policy in the context of development? How do we make sense of this? Which should come first? Should they run in tandem? And that really is the question that we, we want to focus our minds on. I don't think there are any right answers. There will just be logical approaches to examining the, the idea. So yeah, that's what the conversation is about. So who wants to, so, who wants uh, to take a crack? So first of all, can you guys hear me? I just put on my... Yeah, we can hear you. Yes, it's kind of weird. So if it cuts off, just let me know. So you're asking uh, which comes first, policy or innovation? I think it's a, it's a very good question, especially in 
developing in the developing world. Um, we're used to many of us that have um, worked in other countries. We're used to having very very well defined policy environments where you know where to plug in and you know how your business is supposed to operate. But in countries like Nigeria, it's a different case. Um, there are so many instances where we don't really have definitions for or even like versions of these different businesses. And so I think, you know, as someone that has been on both sides of the fence, I've been an innovator, which I, I still, hopefully I still am. And I'm now on the government side. I definitely think innovation comes first, but with very good, I would say very close contact with the policymakers. So I know you guys mentioned um you know, the issue with the ride hailing and all that, you know, it's a very interesting space. You know, I think that it was, it had an opportunity to really create jobs and all that, but there was an issue around safety. I actually reached out to someone that was working in the agency that was um, regulating that space. And he mentioned how they were really worried about, you know, people, people that have uh, bone injuries go to, there's so many people there. And so I think the government was really worried about the safety aspect in terms of, you know, people's lives as, as well as um, injuries. But there, I think there was, there could have been a better um, re- resolution. But I think on the, you know, for we cyclers, in terms of my experience, we've definitely had to really, really work hand in hand with government to explain what we are doing, show, and kind of build mutual trust and explain. So it's like very clear, you know. So I'm going to just stop there. Then maybe I'll explain a little after... Um, yeah, good. Because I was even going to ask because because the space that you worked in is a very a highly cabalized area with this program in Lagos. So we'll, there will be some follow up questions that I'd like to explore from there. But Carly, please give us your views, please. Okay, so I think that at, at most points, policy will always be ahead of innovation. Innovation will be playing catch up. I have what I consider to be some kinds of solutions or suggestions on the policy side as to how policy and innovation can work hand in hand for for development. But honestly, I think that innovation will mostly be ahead of of policy. But policymakers have to be as creative as possible and encourage, because the honest truth is that policy could either enhance or better innovation. And so policymakers should make more of an effort to enhance innovation as, as opposed to fettering innovation. Okay. So uh, let me just add a follow-up. So, so Kyle, for example, your uh, advisory friend, your advice companies, you, you literally exist because of this to say, okay, before you get your hands burnt, these are some of the things you need to look at. So if you can walk us through a practical example of either or, in, in what you've seen, what has come first, and how that has affected. I know you've done some work even before you started your advisory firm, and to what extent you want to talk about that. I know that I have to respect your privacy and everything. But if if you wanted to take the Okada example, and maybe kind of walk us through in a perfect world, because what, in, what ended up happening was government got a window of all of these businesses, and then, okay, now we need to charge this, and that, and then eventually led to a ban. But if you were brought on early on and you were on this, kind of walk us through an approach to say, okay, well, before you go and uh, penalty, go train, 
these are the things that we need to do. Who, who do we need to see? What do we need to get done? Okay, so I think that your last statement already sort of gives a window into how how I would approach it or how we would approach it. And I think that the first thing is to identify your stakeholders. And when I say stakeholders, I would even expand that beyond your policymakers to... Gaudi, give us examples of stakeholders. Okay, good question. So you've given the example of of the transport sector, right? So I would say ministries of transport, you know, at, at the federal level... I would say the local government as well. I would say probably should also engage some of the touts. I was going to say there are known stakeholders and there are known. And a lot of times the unknown or the indirect stakeholders are the ones that wield the most powers behind the scenes. So how do you help your client, so to speak, to navigate that? Like I always say, I think the, the it, it just engage, engage, engage. I would always advise that a client has somebody on the team that speaks the language of your regulators or your stakeholders, as it were. For example, there's no coincidence that MTN's current board is composed the way it is, following their more recent troubles. So they have an ex-NCC head, an ex-FIRS head, and these are people who understand these systems. And these are people who can help the company navigate these systems. Now, in many cases, a, a CEO is, also happens to be the sort of chief government relations officer because they have those skills or have the skill set. But in many other cases, they don't have the skill set. Um, they probably have specialized skill set for the industry, etc., but don't have the capacity to engage regulators. So it's not always the case that a CEO is able to handle some of these issues perfectly. In other cases, you may decide to have one person or a team in-house that handles your public affairs. And so in a lot of larger companies for public affairs, uh, or you might decide to outsource it. So it really just depends on how the, the company wants to go about engaging. But in terms of the practicality of it, I would say, yes, identify your stakeholders, begin to engage stakeholders. You know, it means actually just have conversations on that. Before, I'm just thinking about the practicality, right? One, I want to go to the park, or maybe I, I brought in a coyote with me, and we're going there, and we're trying to tell them what we're trying to do, and I just went there to speak English. Is it really realistic that um, we're going to go there to do that without having to have some sort of budgetary arrangement to sort these kinds of visits or engagements? Why are you hedging? We're on serious banter. So, does engage mean bribe? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Say it Are you asking chest. Bola? Are you asking Don't worry, I'm asking Bola. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so how do we engage, quote-unquote? Uh, when you are with Cyclops, how do we engage? Because what you guys do is amazing. And in some cases, I even think it's harder than some of the things the transport guys face. So how, what was the level of engagement? We Cyclops basically started, um, you know, we started in August of 2012. But we had already started the conversations with stakeholders as early as January of 2012. So that actually was yeah, involved going to say the Commissioner for Environment as well as the MD of Loma. And the MD of Loma is basically the main regulator behind this sector in Lagos. So we knew we had to have them on our side. And one of the re- major reasons was because one of the things that we needed was space to actually do the recycling. So okay. we needed to kind of lock in space. So we just, you know, we, when we came in January, we went to a community 
and ask them to bring trash and give them like raffle tickets and they were able to win prizes. So on the back of those results, we went to see the MD of Loma. We shared the results with him and said, hey, we just about to graduate from school and would you like to please be a partner of what we are doing? And he said, okay, sure, this is a good idea. And he, you know, handed us over to a team of people. So basically, we basically started this cycle together with with Lagos State. So there's like a kind of like a joint thing where they were part joint of Joint interest. Vested exactly. interest. Exactly. Not vested. Doesn't sound negative. So there was more there of was, an intersection of interests, not vested interests. Exactly. And then, yeah. There was like, so they helped us really, you know, kind of get going. And over time, it's like they've been seeing us grow and grow and grow. So they, they actually, it's like, it's like when they are, they are child that they saw that started from, you know, a very small place. So they, they act, I mean, like um, Kyrie said, the relationships have been built for years and years and years. So the people that we started, we met when we first started with Cyclers, many of them are still there. So there is that relationship, there's that, you know, communication. And because we Cyclers kind of is like a new business model, so it's not like a very established one. We have to build this from the, from from the ground up, exactly. So this was Blue Ocean. Right, nobody was doing this. Very blue. <laughs> so, for the benefit of some listeners, and for government, that is a hard one. Yes, that is a hard one. Sorry to cut you short. That, that's actually a hard one to convince government because I work in government, so I know that it's very hard to convince government. I think you know to do like you know very very kind of quote unquote risky things. So that it, it was a lot of meetings and explaining to get to get to that point. It's very interesting what you said. One morning, I go to the office of the MD of Loma, right? <laughs> you wait a long time, chat. But let's assume that you're not your case. Eh? And so, let's assume that I don't have connections and everything. Is it that it's tough luck or there's other ways around? Or you just have to find someone that can get you those regulatory contacts if you are trying to move into an area that potentially could be highly regulated? Because we are talking about a couple of different things here. You already knew that this thing eh, is regulation. So let's start from the top. Some people maybe didn't know or thought they were they thought they were in Silicon Valley and not in Lagos. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, let's start right here. And then people started beating their Okada rider. Like, who gave you Okada to ride? Like, who told you that? That's a good question. I have to admit, for us to get the initial beating to to see the commissioner, we had to get somebody that knew him. So he gave us like literally five minutes of his time. And he's like, okay, what do you want to see me for? And we had to like sell it. Of course, we're coming from MIT. We dropped the name. If I had a meeting in Silicon Valley, my first two sentences, MIT had to be inside it. <laughs> anywhere, in the, Naturally. anywhere in the world. Yeah, it has to make sense. You have to milk it for everything. Is so, no apologies. You have to. You have to. And, and, we, and also, we're giving data. We were communicative. If you have a very good proposal to an agency that is not forward-thinking, that is not willing to kind of innovate, that you're tough luck. But if you are lucky enough to be in an area, you know, build those relationships, you, you can make things work, honestly. And I, and I agree with Billy. Our sort of earliest interactions together were when she was on the board of LSETF and I worked at LSETF. And LSETF, I think for me, was one of the most progressive government agencies between 2015 and 2019. LSETF has shown progressiveness in government and and I think that a lot of agencies can do well by having young people who have 
who have more who have more in common with the innovators who are building the solutions for the future. So apart from giving loans at LSTF to SMEs, we also help sort of support the investing environment. We also helped we also helped um, with the creation of Lagos. We also created Lagos Innovates, which supports the startup ecosystem. And so we also sort of found ourselves at some point on behalf of some of our beneficiaries against other government agencies. Um, so really in that position, you have to sort of learn that you have to engage. You have to advocate even when you have even when you have um, something in common with the regulators, um, you use that to your advantage as opposed to being, being what's the word now? Being, um, what's the word now? Being, uh, turning it into a, into a fight, basically. So I think that there's, that we, we are, a lot of people will sit down on their armchairs and criticize governments without really having any practical solutions or without even making the effort. To engage. All right, Justin, you have something something to add. I'm going to speak on behalf of those people that Kaide just referred to. (laughs) I have to represent my my dear constituents because everybody is listening. So it's 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 all well and good when the government, right? Let me depersonalize it. When the government points fingers at citizens, and I mean some demographics, or some one demographic has been famously referred to as being lazy. It's it's a common trope to throw the gauntlet at the feet of um, the citizens, who in a lot of cases are quite hapless, to say, oh, you're not doing enough. You've not done this, you've not done that. But then the, the, the facts appear to show that those who actually cannot be accused of not doing enough are not actually making the desired progress. And I like the fact that we can contextualize this conversation in probably the most progressive part of Nigeria, which is in Lagos, right? And Lagos is a wonderful city, uh, but it's still a microcosm of what happens in Nigeria generally, right? Which is that, first of all, there's a lot of ageism. Uh, Unfortunately, none of that is represented in this conversation. And I think it speaks to why the both of you are doing the kind of things that you're doing in your vocations. There's a demographic that I like to refer to as a class of 66 that has basically captured the state. <laughs> ancestors. The ancestors, right? Basically captured the state. And when I say that, policy has been weaponized. Those are actually the people I'm talking about because the state is not a, a disembodied entity. The state is not a spiritual being. Right? The government is run by people, by humans. The policies that are rapacious, the policies that are retrogressive are conceived by humans. Right, And I don't think it's random. I think it's an instrument of basically maintaining a status quo that is not allowing us to grow as a people. So when I hear things like people don't do enough, I'm very quick to say, Mm-mm, it may be true. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I'm telling you that for every one person who is not doing enough, there's another one person or more who are giving it their okay, best. Okay, Justin, I think, I think there's the possibility that you may have missed my point or have not made my point completely. Oh, okay. So I'm not, I'm not only blaming the innovators or the startups or you know, the business community um, because I think that this should be a mutual effort. Yep. The truth of the matter is 
ultimately the government wants to earn revenues, for example, right? And issues like tariffs are more pronounced during tough economic times like the times that we're in. But at the same time, I think that there is a level of engagement, there's a level of of stakeholder management that needs to um, be done also from the business side. I think that there's also a, a serious issue that we have not, yeah. So I think there's also a serious issue that we have not fully um, dimensioned in the Nigerian um, sociocultural environment. And that issue is one of, you know, it's being forbidden to challenge authority. Mm-hmm. You see it in parent and child dynamics, you see it in teacher and student dynamics, you see it in both private and public sector leadership. Um, and in such a system, innovation will, it will be difficult for innovation to thrive. Exactly. So I think we need to begin to unlearn some of these things. So there, there's, there's a lot of dimensions to, to the issues that we have. But I think that ultimately there's, there's duties or responsibilities of the, the business community. But also I think that, you know, honestly, the policymakers should try to not exploit the short term against the benefits of the long term. So, you know, if you if you overtax or overregulate, you are losing the people who are investing in development and ultimately your 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 country or your state is going to suffer for it in the long run. So I think it's a it's a mutual it's a mutual effort. So just to clarify what I may have miscommunicated or what you may not have Interesting. heard. Interesting. Yeah. Justin, do you have an add-on? If I have a question, uh, I wanted to I wanted to shift over to, okay, the, the cases, order, uh, life, <laughs> which is being yeah. part of government. So, so several people have always asked, come like, is it that some people in government will just go and see that and be okay? Am I worried? Will give you something to go on, or it, it's, some people have said that it's government just genuinely wicked. Like, why would you just sit down and just okay? Now, I just pick up one money and just say, okay, is how much you want to charge? Maybe you can walk us through some of the processes that happen internally that leads to uh, certain decisions by government that a lot of us may not be privy to. Obviously, okay. at the level you've played, you've seen a lot of things happen, whether directly in your own agency or across the board, if we can kind of see from the, from the government side, policy I, side of view, how, how sure. is policy uh, generated? Yeah, sure. I, I can only speak for Lagos because that's where I operate. But I would say that I, I agree with Kaede and Justin as well. You know, we can't blame the citizens, you know, for everything. There is equal blame. But I would like to say that, you know, just even from before I go into the government side of it, even from the recycled experience, of course, if we were in a country where things were easier, we would definitely have moved further along as a company. You know, we would have raised by now, we would have been huge, we would have failed, all that. But this is actually basically a price you have to pay for working this kind of, of working in Nigeria. It's, it's part of the environment. But I would say also that, you know, when people want to go into, I mean, I, I'm not really privy to what other innovators are doing, so I don't know what they are thought process is like. But then I would say that um, when you are working in a country like Nigeria, you have to realize that government is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Government is very, very powerful. Um, government basically plays a role in everything you do. At some point, if you have an office, you're gonna be you're gonna be paid a visit by if you're down the street, they're gonna be you know, so there's always some you know government interaction that's gonna happen Radio at some TV point. License. So we have to really 
I knew exactly. you were going to say that. I... So, so there's so many issues. And, and so we have to realize that, there's, you know, so government is, you know, like it or not, government is going to be a part of the party. We have to be in you know, Silicon Valley, there's no issues, and it's going to be like that in Nigeria. That's not the case. There's a government official that basically with a stroke of a pen can cancel your business. Uh-uh. And you you definitely have to know who the people are. You have to go and talk to them. You have to introduce yourself. You have to explain who, what you're doing because you have to understand that government works for everybody. It's not just for you or me or, or Kyrie or Justin. It's for everybody in the whole state. So they are responsible for everyone. Everyone. So, you know, so they want, you know, the government, we, we want you to, your business to run, we want your business to be successful. But then you have to think about the whole state as, as a body. You have to think about security. Because believe it or not, as, you know, they love seeing, government loves seeing um, this kind of big wins of big companies coming in. But then mm-hmm. also at the same time, there's daily reports of, oh, armed robbery of, you know, of people dying in hospitals. And you're hearing the same issue. You know what I'm saying? So th- there's that aspect of it as well. But in my, I would say that in my experience, one of the most important things for an innovator to do, which sounds really boring, is the legal aspect. You know, mm. having someone like Kyle, they be on your team. You have to actually read what is the law, what is the enabling law of the agency that regulates what I'm doing. Trust me, there's nobody that the government doesn't respect more than a citizen that understands the law. So when I was in Lax Park, and for instance, somebody caught a tree legally, I would go and we say, okay, <laughs> I'm going to close your house you know, because we care about the trees, basically. But the person says, no, no, I read your law. You can only charge me X, Y, Z, Naira, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's very important as someone that is working in this space, in this space to read the law. And then with that, you begin to engage, you know, with the government. And then, okay, so, so oh. in my, um, I would say that in my experience, one of the most important things for an innovator to do, which sounds really boring, is the legal aspect. You know, mm. having someone like Kyle, be on your team. You have to actually read what is the law. What is the enabling law of the agency that regulates what I'm doing? Trust me, there's nobody that the government doesn't respect more than a citizen that understands the law. So when I was in Park and for instance, somebody caught a tree legally, I would go and we say, okay, <laughs> I'm going to close your house. We're going to charge you five million naira because we did it. We did that. Just, you know, because we care about the trees, basically. But the person says, no, no, I read your law. You can only charge me X, Y, Z naira. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's very important as someone that is working in this space, in this space, to read the law, understand the enabling law, understand what the government can do, what the government cannot do. And then with that, you begin to engage, you know, with the government. And then, okay, so to your question, your main question around, okay, how does policy get created, you know? So I can't really speak for this night posting because it doesn't sound like a, a law. It sounds more like a regulation that, like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't really speak for that. But the, it's not any honest. I, I think so. It just sounds like there's more to there's more to it that makes the eye. I would just say that it's not because there's procedure. Before you can pass a law, you have to take it to the House of Assembly, and then House of Assembly ratifies. It. There's a public hearing that people that are part of the stakeholders come and speak, and then it becomes a law. But if it's something where they are saying this and just they just publish it. It's something that they are doing within their remit based on the powers that they have. 
And then I also want to let you know something. <laughs> and that's one thing that we Nigerians do not understand. Bring it, bring it. We're very powerful as citizens. Like people, when I was in Luxembourg, I used to tell people that, look, you guys don't know the power you have, the power of the pen. You can actually, like, you sit down and you write a letter to the governor, to whoever it is, whatever agency, whatever government, and they don't respond. You can, there's, there's actually a process. So let's say, for instance, at last track, I did something wrong. Well, at last track, I did something wrong. And you've written to me and I've not engaged. I engaged with my commissioner. Escalate. Yeah, and the, the, the but the problem is people don't trust that this is available. And then some people don't even, they will not wish to end the job. Exactly. But the people that trust it, they are using it and they are getting results. I don't, I don't want to be hugging the mic, but let me share my story with you guys. So Bilkis and, and Kyrie, let me give you, this is very personal, right? So I, I run a logistics business. We haul products for some of the FMCGs. And on this particular day, it wasn't the first time it was happening, but they caught me on a bad day. My truck was in Ogun State, one of the major road arteries in Ogun State that left from Lagos to deliver goods in Ogun State, where there was meant to be a road. I wish I had queued up those pictures to share with you. There was a huge crater in the middle of the road. When I sent it to Bola, Bola was screaming. When I say a crater, I didn't say pothole. The whole road was gone. You know one of those roads, bad road situations where <laughs> everybody's driving through the sky. Right. we need you in Ogun. So, so here's the story. So there's this huge crater in the middle of the road filled with water and everybody is trying to walk around it and go around the side. And there was hell of traffic. This is a fully loaded truck with liquid goods. And the truck gets stuck in the middle of the crater because he couldn't go around. All the smaller cars were going around. So he had to try and pass through the crater. And he got stuck in the middle. And the driver called for, for rescue. There was a road. There was, there was a road, though, my people. And the driver immediately called for rescue. So we, dis- we told him, okay, stand by, stay with your truck. He knew, the, he knew the drill anyway. And immediately the rescue team left from Ikeja. And then it was like a 30-minute drive to get to where he was. Though. And then the guy calls while they were en route that, oh, last, uh, Trace. Trace is the Ogun State equivalent of Lasma. That Trace people have shown up and they brought a tow truck. Oh, we said, oh, thank God that they are going to rescue you. <laughs> they towed the guy out and then said, first of all, the towing was 70000 and then that we were going to pay 500000 for obstruction of traffic. I sprouted oh, holes wow. when they ah. me. I spent <laughs> horns. I was raving. I called, I didn't know who to call. I, I called Bola. I said, Bola, do you know anybody in this Ogun state? Are these people mad? Let me cut huh? the story short. That truck. I'm embarrassed. Now, here's the issue. No. This thing had been happening, and my people would say, Oh, God, they're asking for 100K. I'll say, Pay them and let's move on. On that day, I had had enough. So I said, You know what? Let them tow the truck. That truck stayed there for two weeks. Two weeks. I had goods on it. That truck ordinarily would be making revenue of about 60000 a day. It stayed there for two weeks because some Negro wanted a bribe. And I said, on this one, I'm not paying. Let's do this escalation. They can have the truck. <laughs> I called the owners of the goods and said, load another truck for me. This one has been impounded and I'm not paying a dime. We delivered the goods to the destination with another truck. That truck stayed there for two weeks. We eventually got it out without me paying it, and because I was adamant, and because Bola's friend pulled some strings, and the strings were coming from government house. But is that how we should do business? Mm-hmm. 
it's it's enough to drive you mental. So the choices are okay. So in this, in this situation, is it you will call? You can call in, in situations like this, right? But calling is not really a strategy for long term, and no. calling is not a business strategy either. Um, and the people that you would call in these situations will not always be available for you. Exactly, um, it's not sustainable. So I do agree that it's a problem. One, the roads are terrible. Two, there are all sorts of people who are hounding you on these roads. We are only just beginning to see the the return of the cargo train system. Uh, I don't know that any major business has even tested that out yet. So, it, so I do agree with you. But, you know, we have to chop that one to the game. Of. I think that one of the things that needs to be done, one of the things that we don't do enough is that more and more, especially those of us who are privileged to be able to afford to sue, should go to court. Um, they should band it together and they should sue interpretation of the law. And sue to know what, what the government is allowed to do, what the government, government is not allowed to do. In your case, um, Justin, depending on what your roots are, depending on the states you go through, or whether I could speak to other people in your industry soon. I think that the more we do things like this, the more we, are, we begin to challenge some of these authorities, the better the results we, we get. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, when the roads are better and when you are not being harassed as much, your drivers are less equipped to fleece you of, of your revenues. Because the story that you begin to hear is, oh, the tires, something happens. But I think that, you know, suing is one thing. Unionizing is one thing. I, I, I'm really, I get conflicted whenever this issue comes up because I'm one of the, I mean, I'm, my blood is probably green, white, green, right? I'm a diehard Niger. But sometimes, mm-hmm. and this is how, my position on this whole issue crystallized into, you know what, our problem is not innovation-led. Taking us back to the topic of the conversation. As as beautiful as certain conceptual frameworks are, as tested and trusted as they are in certain other parts of the world, I have come to the conclusion that the issue we need to innovate about the singular issue that we need to innovate about is how to get the class of 66 to retire. Because, 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 no, but let, let me finish. Because everything rises and falls on leadership. We can keep giving example after example after example of insanity in our policy space. How do you, how do you levy a tax on people for sinking boreholes when the government has failed to provide pipe bond water, a prime and cardinal directive of government to provide for the people. There is no public water works in most parts of the country. In different pockets, in different states, you're hearing news coming out that the governors want to impose taxes on people for sinking boreholes. Are you, like like Efusa said, are, are you mental? Let me ask you this question. I think I agree. I think there is, like you said, a leadership issue. But then, you know, let me explain. I'm, this is me with my Nigeria as a Nigerian citizen with my green passport. That's my only passport. As um, Kaidi mentioned, you know, as LSCS, we were doing some research and we found out that in Nigeria there are only five viable states five? in That's the country. Generous. Five. So Lagos, I believe, is a river. Some other states. 
that but can I pay their bills. They can pay their bills. Every other oh, wow. state cannot afford to pay bills. That's number one. Even as citizens, we're not paying, we don't pay taxes. And then we are also looking at the fact that there are some states, that there are, there are, there are people, the government, the people there, they are not looking at how can we be productive locally. Everybody wants to go to, to the where uh, to the where uh, to Lagos where they overnight so they can become rich. The streets are paved with gold. Yeah. But how is that possible? So honestly, I am not going to pretend that some of those things do not happen, right? So that engaging that I keep sort of talking about is what is going to help your stakeholders or your regulators understand your new fancy innovation. So for example, you know, engage, talk, have meetings, but even beyond that, write opens in, in, in the newspapers. I'll give a trade secret. So one of the things that we do is you sort of mention the names or the office of your regulator in your open so that it picks up, their Google alerts pick them up. So, so there are many ways to kind of get the attention of your regulators or your stakeholders. Like I, again, like I said, unionize. The more you are, the better access that you have. The more you are able to afford to pay consultants like GRA, you know. And then again, like I said, they are good to court. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think like Charlie was saying that you know people should consider suing more and also consider unionizing. I wouldn't say unionizing, but like actually coming together as a group. So I know that doesn't sound very sexy, but I think there is there is some value to having a, a, a platform where you can actually speak honestly with the, with the government officials and explain to them the issues that, that you are facing. I mean, one thing that government wants to hear is job creation, and they don't want to ever hear that, ah, people are going to lose their jobs. So being able to explain and find, trying to find a middle ground would work. Um, you know, there is, I feel like in some instances, when people come to Nigeria um, in, where it's not really regulated, they feel like, oh, let me make this thing really big and then the government will not, they will have no choice <laughs> but to work with me. But then you have to, but I feel like if, you, if we um, kind of interact with the government, have meetings, you know, when we were starting the class, it, it was in my calendar, like every two, two weeks, I had to go and see some, the person that was in charge of recycling at Loma, like I had to go sit with her. It's about the person like, Creating that, that's the only thing that, way that it will work. Like, I have to go and sit with them. Oh, how are you? How is the family? Would just about the family? So I will tell them about my own life. How is life? Would just, then I will go home. And, you know, that's part of my job. You know, so I feel like we also have to think about that as well. We have to create that. You know, I also have to do that. Like, I have to sit, like, go and see my bosses and sit with them and say, hey, how is it going? What's going on? Because it makes your life easier when, you're, when you need to get something done. Interesting. So, guys, if you have questions in the comments, please post the questions. So, at this point, we'll probably take some of the questions or comments that we've been saying. So, if you have any questions, drop it. Uh, someone says it's about building relationships. And then, Cardi. So, we agree with, with Esther, who said it's about building relationships. And I think that Billy Chris is a good example of a CEO who has been able to hone that skill set. I don't think that everybody has that skill set, but I think that Bilikis is a good example. She's given practical examples of how she's been able to, to build relationships with her stakeholders. I'm just amazed that she thought of that way early on. And she, she, I'm still trying to wrap my brain how you, you knew that was so important and you took it very, very, very serious. 
I, I feel like I just kind of figured it out. Like initially, it was like, oh my god, there's just hostility. Like you walk in and you're like, oh, you have a letter. Like, oh, I want you to give me this approval. And then they look at you like, are you crazy? Because you think, oh, the American system. I just want to drop my phone, man. Don't get, get. And I like actually like um, getting to know people. So it was like, okay, how do I get to this person? How do I make this person like me? And so it was like that. And then we became friends. You know, after that, I think that um, I mean, I I agree with. I agree with Bilkis and Kaide actually in terms of in the final analysis what you do. So this is our reality. Without flogging a dead horse, you're trying to build a business. You are trying to create something. You have roadblocks. It's only quitters that go home, right? In the can-do spirit, you have to find a way around it. And it boils down to engagement at the end of the day. Whatever that engagement might entail within the ambit of the law. Right, it's important to put that caveat within the ambit of the law. We just have to keep running from like Bola, like you said when we started at the beginning. It's a lion and gazelle thing, right? Um, somebody's going to be somebody's lunch, so there has to be running. At the end of the day, you need to engage the stakeholders, both the ones who hold official power or who hold office, and the ones who may be in the shadows. It's all about its influence. It's influence peddling. It's influence management. The job of a CEO, the CEO's job is not to sit down in the office and read emails and read memos. It's to go out there and make things happen. So uh, to that extent, I do agree that the only way out of what our issues are, for anybody who is interested in building something or creating something and is facing these issues that we are bound to face, is actually that engagement. If, if you have to go there and tell, offer the government equity in your business so that uh, they will leave you alone, if they have to adopt your business as a child of the administration, it's fine. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like you're doing like a fashion show. So you come in and you're like American or British and you're like, oh, very, very proper. Hi, how are you? I have my letter. And then they didn't do this and that. You know, you'd be like, oh my God. But then you have somebody that comes in and like, oh, how are you? How is family? When is salad time? They will send their one bag of rice. You know, when, you know, malls. Those things, matter. There are companies, there are big companies that every holiday they send small, you know, all these little, little things. And it goes a long way because you have to think about it. How are they thinking about you versus other people that think about them as people? How do you have, you know, what are you doing to support them and make them um, want to, you know, because it's, it's not easy working in government. It's not at all. It's like you can never get it right. You're always going to have issues. Let me tell you, there is no incentive for a government official to do, like, to go out of their way to help you. Let that sink in. There's no incentive. Part of the reforms. They're not going to get Part of the reforms that we need. Earlier, you mentioned, I mean, the way the country is structured at a constitutional level, which I agree with. There are certain things that we need to rearrange. We need to move the tiles around on the board. On this one, you just said, eh, part of the things that we also need to do, a lot of those civil servants need to go home. They are, you know me, I, I'm, I'm on the two sides of this thing. I have to balance it. When you are doing the engagement, they will ask you for bribes. When you are doing the engagement, they will ask you to bring a piece of the business at individual zoo. So those things are real. Let's not act like they're not. Yes, we will do everything. Yeah, but like, but like, let me ask you this question. Like, okay, when, when I was at last park, right, I had to change my, my staff mentality. Because the government mentality, which is something that is an issue that we have to address, of competing. Like I, I was saying, like government, you know, and I think that's the night post. That's where night post fell into a trap, where they are 
seeing themselves are competing with these logistics companies. Because they think mm-hmm. that ah, we are doing, we are doing the same thing now. But they don't analyze, you know, because they are telling them that ah, you have revenue, you have revenue drive, you must do this, you must do that. But they don't see that there is a bigger, you know, bigger pie. So I, I was telling them, look, if you as an agency, as LASFAT, I'm not going to do certain things that private sector can do. For instance, I'm not going to go and cut anybody's tree for them. I'm not going to do this. And, I'm not, you know, like I, I'm, I told them, that, look, I'm going to draw the line. Let the private sector do that. As an agency, how can we create value for everybody? And at the end of the day, you know that within a year, we're able to um, increase our revenue by five times, five X. Five X. Oh, yeah. That was like a record. You know, you're proving the last point I made. We need people like you, people like Kyrie. And you too. I want Akba, they need to go. I'm not in public service. Let me push in my truck. Somebody that is going to collect pension. Somebody that get, they said there's no incentive. You know, the problem Which is, pension? Which we, pension? No, let's talk about it. Let's look at both sides of it. The average civil servant, right? The average civil servant level 10, 12. How much are they making? 50K, 60K. Mm. The, this uh, um, pension that you mentioned, this pension that you mentioned, right? How many states are paying pension? Mm-hmm. We have to look at the civil servants. These people are people. These are people that want, they want to do the work. Let me tell you, when I was at Last Park, I, I sat with them and said, this is what we have to do. We have to, we have to, do, like this, we have to do like that. People were inspired. People were working. So mm-hmm. as, you know, we have to create, it's not like they are wicked people that they don't want to do anything. But let's look at the incentive. What incentive is, are we as government or as people, what, what incentive are these civil servants having? Well, you, know? you know, that and that's where portion, we are people. The biggest portion of our national budget, both at state and federal level, is salary. Is civil servants, these people's salaries. Why do you think the problem still persists? Because, first of all, the service is bloated, right? So you have too many yes, mouths to yes. feed, so the money that is available is spread thin. So we need to downsize the civil service. That's what I'm saying. And then we need to make people... So I understand table. that. <laughs> right, we have to downsize, right? But then also, right, that if we downsize, that's fine. But then there's also an issue of incentive. Are we paying the right salary? How are we even recruiting people into the service, you know? Those are things that the we can work on. are supposed to put the policies to improve those things in place. Not the politicians, actually. The civil servants, the administrators, the permanent the secretaries. We are the people that are, in, yeah, that are um, well-educated and exposed. How many of us as people are going to see our rep? To say, okay, well, I'm your rep for Ikeja. These are my issues. I want you to take it up. I show that you need to also try before you know whether you trust or don't trust. So yes, there's historical, there's historical, blah, 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 right? But at the end of the day, try, fail, publicize your failure to be able to reach your reps. You know, mm. put pressure. You can't sit down without having tried. As well. some, of them are, some of them are accessible on social media. All of them's phone numbers are published. If you are a, if you are a member of your community and you engage within your community, if you don't know your, your representative, you will know their age, or you should, ideally. Ideally. No, someone said, someone said, I spent 45 minutes to find the Commissioner of Health of Ogun State yesterday. It, t- it took me th- two minutes in the UK. Huh? Anyway, that was <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much. This will be an uh, incredible conversation. Uh, but but so, so that we can wrap up, if uh, Coyote and uh, Dr. can kind of give us an overall thought on this innovation and 
policy thing, and then uh, myself and Justin will, will begin to close the show for the day. I would say that, you know, like, definitely Nigeria is not, is not an easy place. Like, I think everybody that comes to Nigeria needs to realize that when you come to Nigeria to start a business, it's not sexy. It's not overnight. It's not going to be so easy. So let's, let's factor that in into what we are doing. Let's know that as a country, there is a lot of relationship. There's a lot of, of value in relationships. You know, how can, what, what are we doing about relationships? What are we doing about creating networks that will work for us in, in, when we have issues? You know, so I think innovation is very important. You know, in Nigeria, there are so many um, innovations that have been, you know, that are coming in. You look at COVID-19, it has created so much room for innovation. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of opportunity for innovation, exactly. And, and policymakers are following and are trying to catch up. But then let's realize that with government, there is a holistic view. Government has to think about everyone. So the, it, it, might, it might be frustrating if you think, oh, this person is not um, doing what I want them to do. But there is a consideration that they are given that is maybe not allowing them to do that. I'm not saying that government is perfect, too. And I'm not saying that there are no issues, though. But I would just say that there are those are the things that maybe are happening in the back end that make it look funny. And then finally, I would say that if there is an issue, a policy like the Nipos one that kind of seems like a, like very out of place, there we have redress. We have power. Look at it. Within a few hours, Twitter shut down the whole thing. The commissioner had to come and, um, sorry, the minister had to, you know, cast them. So we have power. Let's use that power. Let's realize our power. Own the power. Thank you. I say this was a really fun time. I had a really good time. Um, <laughs> thank you, guys. And Justin, good luck. Thank you. Buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. My my closing remarks will be to say that um, I believe that policymakers should be more accommodating of, of businesses of innovation. Things like consumer protection, safety are definitely important and you should regulate. But policymakers should be very, very, very careful to not overregulate and stifle business. So that's the that's what I would like people to go away from this conversation with. Um, I think that we all, as Nigerians, very prone to, to, in our discussions, you know, complaining about all the issues, but we don't have practical steps or practical solutions or suggestions, right? And so for me, I think we should, we should be, we should take a solutions driven approach and employ some of these things. I think that, like I said earlier, it's, it's not a, the responsibility of only the policymakers or only the people in the business environment. I think it's a mutual effort, but I'm going to leave this conversation by leaving words for, for the policymakers. Okay, so, uh, real quick, do you want to say something a little bit about how GRA helps people and if anybody wants to reach out to you? Thank you. Thank you for this advertising opportunity. We are a small company, very new, um, but there's a few of us, unfortunately, most of us are lawyers, um, not particularly by design. And what we do is we advise clients on how to sort of work with or work around or engage the government. And so some of the things we do, we help you identify your stakeholders, we help you engage them, we look through the media to see what they have said about the things that you are trying to do. Um, so, for example, let's just use crypto, for example, right? An operator in the cryptocurrency space will be able to say, we'll be able to say to them, look, this is the mood of your regulator. 
about yeah. what yeah. we are doing, right? Right. And now. we can even say it is this desk that will could potentially be your own doing or could potentially make you able to continue your business. So we, we do things like communication, strategic communication. We help with public sector business development. We are currently actually advising a Nigerian company that's trying to get into Angola, and I'm enjoying that. So yes, interesting times. And some of these are some of the things we do. Our website is www.gra.africa. All right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate. It. Thank you. The the sum the summary for me is. You know, when you when you pick up the gauntlet that you want to take the entrepreneurial route, it's not a walk in the park. It's not it's not a picnic, and Nigeria is it's not for <laughs> Nigeria is particularly a tough environment. Anybody who tells you otherwise is kidding themselves. So we know what our issues are. So as you stand up to plan anything. These are the things that you need to factor into your plan. Your strategy needs to address this inevitable from the talks, not middle, though, exactly. not at the end. Though, from from the day top, one, like to, like your people explaining, yeah. From day one, you have to envisage that these risks are there, and think about how you're going to address them when they begin to happen. So, regulatory engagement, policy makers are the people that can make Omar whatever it is you want to do. We don't like the way they go about things, but we can't avoid them, except we just want to roll over and die. And nobody's, I'm not about to go anywhere. We're all here. So the, the takeaway yeah. is have your engagement strategy in place. Go big or go home. That's what it is. You know these things are going to happen, so give it your best shot. Your job as, I mean, I see a lot of people quick to take on the tag of CEO, you know, founder, CEO. Plenty of things come with it, too, apart from the photo ops and all of that. These are the things that will keep you up at night, right? These are the things that you need to crack if you're going to take off. Nobody's going to give it to you on a platter of gold. You have to go and get it. So, and that message is for all of us, including, including myself. Yeah. So that's my wrap. Thanks, Justin, for that. So thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, do remember to subscribe to our channels and follow our social media handles as well so that you can stay informed about subsequent episodes. And if you have any tips, suggestions, feedback, or inquiry, do send us a message on any of our handles and we will be in touch. See you on the next episode.